Well, I am glad to be here with you guys this morning. I'm really uh, grateful for the opportunity to, uh, to speak this morning, to share with you God's Word. I'm going to be continuing the, uh, the series that uh, Pastor Brad has been going through on living the life. And uh, as we get started, I first want to just open up with a, uh, a word of prayer, and then uh, I'll have a stand and read together the... Uh, there's a passage that uh, I think just really encapsulates, summarizes very well what this series has been all about so far. Let me start by praying. Father God, just thank you so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here, to gather together in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and to learn from you. Thank you for reaching out to us, for revealing yourself to us through your word, through the person of Jesus Christ, through your Holy Spirit. Lord, we give you this time. We just ask that you would teach us that as we glean from your word, that what we learn today would impact the way that we live the rest of the week and every, every week. Lord, we just uh, pray for your Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us Use me, speak through me, Father, to reveal your, your will for us in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we, uh, as we read this passage, 1 Peter, chapter, I'm sorry, 2 Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. You may be seated. His divine power has given us everything we need, just to summarize what we have gone through so far, we were spiritually dead. God gave us life in Jesus. We needed nourishment. God has given us his word. We needed nurturing. He gave us his presence. We needed a fresh start. He gave us a new identity in Christ. We needed motivation. He's given us a new nature, his divine nature. So this leads to a question, though. If God has done all of this for us, why do we still struggle with sin? Right? If his divine power has given us everything that we need, why do I struggle with sin? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about today. I think... There are a few factors that play into this. Uh, this last week in my studies, I, was, I learned a little bit about uh, the Jesus Seminar. And I don't know how many of you guys have, are familiar with the Jesus Seminar, but it, is a, it was an undertaking back in the mid-80s and 90s, last century. Um, and it was about 150 scholars that all got together and they wanted to determine who the actual Jesus of history was. And what we have recorded in the Gospels and Acts, did, did, 
what did Jesus actually do and say? And so the way that they de- thought that they would determine this was that they would, they would have this jar of beads, different colored beads, and they would pull out a bead, and if, if uh, whatever was being discussed, if it was a red bead, then that was definitely something that Jesus did. It was something that Jesus definitely said, so we can, we can believe it. Uh, if it was a pink bead, then it was maybe closely related to something that Jesus might have said, but it's, it's not totally known for sure. If it was a gray bead, it was something that Jesus didn't say, but it was probably associated with something that he might have said had he said something like that or done something like that. And if it was black, then it was definitely something that was not uh, associated with Jesus at all. In fact, it was just fiction. It was made up. Okay, so the Jesus Seminar, at the end of all of this exercise that they did, determined that about 90% of what we have in our Bibles is completely unrelated to Jesus, that it was black beads. And I bring this up not because that's what we believe, it definitely is not what we believe, but I think it, it shows the extent that people are willing to go to to ignore what Jesus said, right? There are a lot of difficult things that Jesus says, that the Bible says about what it means to be a Christian and to live for him and to live in this world. And, and if, if we're real, we're going we're gonna to say, I wish he didn't say those things, <laughs> right? And, and I'm going to do everything that I can to like rationalize and wash away you know, what he said, so that I can just do what I want to do. That, in my opinion, is the result of the Jesus Seminar. They just wanted to undo what Jesus said so that you could just essentially live however you wanted to live. This is not the Jesus of the Bible. I believe that everything that we have, there, there are, um, the student in me wants to get into the, the facts, right, and prove everything that Jesus has said. And there are a lot of things that have been absolutely substantiated. There's a lot of historical evidence that we have that everything that we have in our Bibles is completely supported in history. And, uh, in fact, the Bible is, is one of the most, if not the most, um, substantiated piece of ancient literature of any piece of, of literature that we have um, in, in all of history. So, anyway, I digress. But the, uh, so the question is before us, if God has done all of these things for us, why do we still experience the conflict within? And I think it comes down to understanding what it means to be born again. Born again is a lot more than just receiving the gift of eternal life. It is supposed to be a complete and total transformation. This is what... Um, oh, did my, oh, I'm, I'm ahead of myself. Okay. So there are a couple of bad illustrations, I think, that, that we, um, struggle with in our understanding of what it means to be a Christian. The first bad illustration is the Christ goggles. In this illustration, the only thing that has changed about you, about me, is the way Christ sees us. We are still sinners, but through this special lens, God now sees us as clean. But at our core, we are still sinful. We are still sinners. Sorry. Uh, second bad illustration is the new clothes. We sing about 
being clothed in royal robes that we don't deserve. And that is absolutely true. There is none of us that has earned the robes that we will be wearing. The, the robes that are described for us in Revelation of being white robes and, and, and being made clean, we did not earn those by how we lived. We have received them because of the grace, the great grace of our God, Jesus. But the bad illustration is that we just have these new clothes, but nothing has truly changed about you, about me. We are still essentially just sinners dressed up in a costume of Christ's righteousness. I think that these illustrations are some of the faulty ways, at least I know that I identify with. I, I, I see myself as still this sinner, but and I, I have a hard time reconciling. How, does, how is it that Jesus sees me as clean when I feel dirty? This is what Scripture tells us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so here we, we, we enter into this section of understanding where Scripture calls you and I to put off the old self. I would invite you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll read uh, verses 17 through 24. It's not going to be up on the screen. Uh, so if you have a Bible and the person next to you doesn't have one, I'd invite you to share. Sharing sounds like caring, so go ahead and share. Ephesians chapter 4, uh, we're going to read verses 17 through 24. It says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are, in, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned in Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put, off, put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So here Paul is writing and he says, you need to understand what Christ has done for you, right? Second Corinthians 5.17, the old has gone, the new has come. We in, he invites his readers then, his hearers, to put off the old and to put on the new. And so there's this, there's this calling to lay aside the old self. Well, what is the old self? Turn over to Galatians chapter 5. And we get a little bit clearer understanding or better understanding of what, what Paul means by this old self. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. Again, this, this is not going to be on the screen. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh 
are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For those are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So here, Paul, he's talking about the old self, and he uses this term, flesh. And the idea of the flesh is that it's, it's the old programming. It's, it's the way that you lived before you were in Christ. And this, the Bible describes the flesh in many different ways, but these are just a few. It just describes the flesh as being weak, as being sinful. It is hostile to God, and it cannot please God. Before you believed in Christ, you were dominated by the flesh. You were dominated by your sinful nature. The Bible says that everyone who is born is born in Adam, and Adam's sin has been passed on to every person that has ever been born in the history of the world, with the exception of one, and that is Jesus Christ. So every person is born in sin. And the, when Paul writes to the, to the Romans, and we'll look, a bit, look more deeply at it later, but in Romans chapter 6, Paul uses the idea of slavery. He said, before you were in Christ, you were enslaved to sin. You had no choice but to obey sin. You responded to life as was dictated by the flesh. The old programming. There's a uh, conversation that's recorded for us in John chapter 3 between Jesus and a man named Nicodemus. And in this conversation, Jesus is describing to Nicodemus what it means to be born again. And Nicodemus, he's just having a really hard time coming to terms. He's thinking in purely physical terms. He's like, how do you crawl back into your mother and then be born? It's like, he, he was... That's how hard of a time Nicodemus was having coming to terms with Jesus' terms. But Jesus said, you must be born again. And being born again, as Jesus reveals throughout his, all of his teachings, is that it's an inward and spiritual transformation that takes place. It's not just getting clean on the outside. That's not being born again. Being born again is what happens when, when the Spirit of God comes inside of you and gives you life when you did not have life before. Paul, when he wrote in Ephesians, he said, You were dead in your sins, separated from God. You were dead before. You had a body. You were living. You were breathing. You were working. You were, doing, you were living life. But the Bible says that you were dead in your sins. And until you are born again, you remain dead in your sins. And Jesus says you must be born again. Galatians 5, 24 and 25 says, 
And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So Paul, he, he writes, he's like, you've got to be thinking about your relationship now to sin. You've got to put off your old self. You've got to crucify the flesh. You have to identify with that old programming as being dead. That that is no longer your identity. You are no longer in the flesh, but now you are in Christ. Do you see the, the difference? Do you hear the difference in the, in, that ter, in the terminology that Paul is using? And he is saying you have to identify as, as the, the old programming in you as being dead. You have to crucify it. You have to kill it. He says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So you must be born again. Being born again is an inward and spiritual transformation. And it is because we now have the Spirit of God living inside of us. This is the thing that is new It is changed within every person who has put their faith in Jesus Christ. So here's the battle. The battle that that I'm grateful that the Bible doesn't ignore. The Bible faces it head on. Paul's like, I I don't do the things that I want to do and the things that I do want to do, I don't do. And there's a lot of conflict And he comes to the point, he's like, oh, wretched man that I am. Why can't you just do what is right? Right? There's, I'm glad the Bible is brutally honest about our condition, even as believers. That the expectation is not that, okay, you you come to faith in Christ and now everything is perfect in your life. That is not Christianity. Christianity acknowledges and, and speaks life into you. But we tend to identify with the wrong life. We tend to continue to identify with what we were before Jesus came into our lives, before we had the Holy Spirit, instead of identifying with what He has spoken about what is true in our lives after we have come to Him in faith. So the battle within, it's real. Let's just acknowledge it is real. Okay, there's no pretending. There's no wishing it away. There's no denial. It is a real battle that is taking place. I referenced it a little bit before, but here in Romans chapter 7, Paul, he's talking about this struggle that he has with his own sinful acts. And he comes to this point in, in uh, Romans seven twenty one. He says, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. His very next phrase is, O oh, wretched man that I am. Right? There's, there is a battle that is being waged within you. If you sense that battle, good. If you don't sense the battle, let's talk. 
Because I think it reveals a lack of sensitivity to spiritual things. So the battle that is within, it is real. The flesh is tugging us in one direction. The spirit is tugging us in another direction. And both forces are real. And at times it seems like they have equal strength. We need to stop feeding and strengthening the old We need to feed and strengthen the new. Because the battle is real and it is productive. What does it produce? It produces sin. I've I've had a really tough time with the the next verses that that I'm going to put up on the screen because it, it gives such a heartbreaking and painful description of what sin is. If we are honest, we don't, we don't think of sin rightly. I think of it, I tend to think of it as something that's, eh, I probably should do better. I probably shouldn't do this. But it is sin that sent Jesus to the cross. And it's not benign. It kills. James describes it in this way. When each person is tempted, when he is lured and enticed by his own desire, then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. He uses this illustration of something that is such a blessing, conception, something that brings life and and, and great anticipation. There is life that is going to be born into this world. And he says, but that that conception is, is dead already. And when it is birthed, instead of bringing life, it brings death. It brings depression. It is such a hard picture that he paints. But this, we don't view sin in this way. We like the pleasure of sin. We like the things that we do that the Bible describes as sinful. We We wish that we didn't enjoy the things that were listed in the the works of the flesh that we read in Galatians 5. But all too often, we just kind of say, well, it's not that bad. Well, he didn't really mean like all lying, did he? Right? we, We try to like downplay and downgrade sins instead of acknowledging that it is sin that destroys, sin that separates, sin frustrates. It, de- it destroys not only the people that are around you, and don't, don't let yourself be fooled, friends. I mean, we, when we sin, we affect the people around us. It is like a rock being dropped 
in water and the ripples just go out. And we think we can direct where those ripples go and we cannot. And we think we can, we can dictate how far they go and we cannot. The ripples go and they affect and they impact and they destroy lives. They destroy other people's lives. It destroys your life. This is the product of sin. It never brings anything good. This is the truth that we have to preach to ourselves every day. Every time I am lured, oh man, that is so tempting. I'm just going to go do this thing. Remember who you are. If you have put your faith in Jesus, you are no longer dominated by that sin. You don't have to obey it. Sorry, I'm yelling a lot today. The reality is that you can win the battle. Victory is yours through Jesus Christ. So how? How is it possible that we could even win this battle? There are a few things that we need to understand. And please, don't just make this head knowledge. Please allow these truths to sink into your heart of hearts and to become you. You can win the battle because of Christ's death and resurrection. Let's turn to Romans chapter 6. I've referenced it a couple times already this morning, but Romans chapter 6. It's not going to be up on the screen again, but it's, uh, I'm going to read the first 11 verses. Excuse me. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Have you died to sin? Have you crucified the flesh? Paul asks the question, how can we who have died to sin continue to live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives 
to God, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Have you died to sin? Or are you still holding on to it? Are you still holding on to the old self instead of putting off the old and putting on the new? You can win because of Christ's death and because of his resurrection. We can also know, uh, be assured of the victory in battle because of our union with Christ. We read about that in that Romans 6 passage. But also here in Romans 8, we read that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. There is no condemnation. You have been set free from sin. Stop living like condemned people. Stop feeding the old. Put on the new. This is the invitation. This is the admonition from Scripture. Galatians 5, 22-25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Let's pause there for a second. Because I, I read that list and I sigh. <laughs> Why am I not gentle? Why am I not kind? Why do I have no patience? I can't produce these things in my life. I cannot produce. You cannot produce these things in your life. These character attributes belong to the Spirit of God. And these character attributes, as you abide in Christ, as you identify your life as not being in sin, but now being in Christ, as you continue to submit to Him, it's as you abide. John 15, I am the vine, God saying, you are the branches. You attach yourself to Him, He will produce the fruit. That's His work in your life. As you submit to Him, as you identify yourself with Him and not the old self. Continuing on, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. You can win because you are no longer just sinners. 1 John 3, 5-7 You know that He appeared in order to take away sins, and in Him there is no sin. In who? Jesus. Who are you in if you have put your faith in Christ? Who are you in? Jesus. 
You are in Christ, right? In Him, there is no sin. No one who abides in Him keeps on sinning. Let's pause. It doesn't mean that you don't ever sin. That's not what He's saying. He's talking about making a practice of sinning. Continuing to make allowances in your life to to continue to pursue things that are against the nature of God. It's not that you don't make mistakes. It's not even that you don't continue to make the same mistakes. But it's that you're not making a pathway for those things in your life. No one who abides in Him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen Him or known Him. goes back to my earlier comment. If there's no sensitivity to the sin that is in your life, it is an indication that you don't have life. It's like the statement that Pastor made a couple weeks ago. Going to church does not make you a Christian any more than being in a garage makes you a car. Anyone who keeps on sinning It proves that you have neither seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Again, this does not mean that believers are perfect or that they'll never sin. But it means, listen, it means that when we do sin, that we are living inconsistently with our new and true identity. We are no longer just sinners. We are in Christ. And the scripture is clear in Him, in Christ, there is no sin. So you cannot be in Christ and still be in sin. This is the truth that we must preach to ourselves. I am no longer the sinner. I am now the saint, saved by the grace of God. To live in a way that brings him glory. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. No one is going to get to heaven and say, I did it. I made it. I knew it. It's not by works. No one can boast in it. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Is that a contradiction? No, we don't do good works in order to be saved. We do good works as a byproduct of our relationship with Christ. It's not to earn salvation. And it's not even to prove anything to anybody else other than your faithfulness to Christ and your thankfulness. As, as Paul says, I beseech you because of how much mercy has been poured out over your lives, To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. We do good works not to earn salvation, but the works have been prepared for us beforehand that we should walk in them, that that, that just affirm that relationship that we have with Christ. You can win the battle because of the presence of Christ that is in you. Romans 8, 9 through 11. You, however, 
are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. You have victory because of Jesus and because of the Holy Spirit that he has given to you to live in you, to comfort you, to guide you, direct you, to convict you when you're doing sinful things. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And he assures us of the victory because of all of these things that we have mentioned. And then lastly, you can win the battle because you choose to. Again, here is the identification. Who are you going to choose to identify with? The old self or the new you in the spirit in Christ Jesus? Going back to Romans 6, 11 through 14. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is the choice that is before us. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Can I get an amen? Amen. You are no longer dominated by sin. But you have, to, you have to remind yourself of these truths. Because the unfortunate reality is that our default is to associate with the old self, not with the new. You have to train yourself. You have to choose. I'm going to walk in the path of Christ today. I'm going to die to my old self. And maybe it takes more than just in the morning. Maybe it's at breakfast, second breakfast, lunch, elevensies, whatever. You are no longer in sin. Stop thinking like you are. Identify with the new and true you in Christ. This is not the power of positive thinking. This is not a motivational speech. This is truth of God spoken to you. I'm, I, I have tried to bathe this outline in Scripture so that it wasn't just my words. It's not just human wishful thinking. You can win the battle. Think positive. Right? It's, it's not. This is, this is the Word of God spoken to you. You are no longer in sin. Put off the old. Put on the new. Will you choose that? Will you choose that? You've often heard the grass is greener on the other side. The truth is, the grass is greener on the side that gets watered. Which lawn are you going to feed? 
You're going to feed the lawn of the old self? It's going to be green. The more you feed it, the more you water it, it's going to get green. But if you feed and water the lawn of your new self, it will be green and it will be filled with life and it will be strong. Which will you feed? In closing, reading this passage from uh, Romans 8. Actually, I'm going I'm to back up a little bit in this, in this uh, section. It's Romans chapter 8. I'm going to start reading in, I think it's verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us everything that we need? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. You are not alone. Not only do you have the fellowship of every believer in Christ to give you comfort and aid, but you have Jesus Christ himself interceding on your behalf that you would win this battle. He is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation Distress, persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, no, my friends. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are more than conquerors through Christ. Any guesses on what we're going to close our service singing today? pastor said at the beginning of this this whole series that the unfortunate thing is is that we have turned the christian life into something to be studied rather than a life to be lived may that not be true of us today as we have been challenged with these truths may it be more so much more than just head knowledge my prayer my hope is that as we hear these words that we will believe them. I'm reminded of, of, a, of a, a conversation that took place between uh, Jesus, uh, I believe it was in Mark, uh, and a, a man that, uh, that Jesus had met along the way, and, and he, the man's daughter had died. And he had asked Jesus to raise her from the dead. And Jesus says, well, do you, do you believe that these things are possible? And his response, I associate with these words so deeply, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, I believe that 
Your word tells me I have the victory. Help me when I don't believe. Father, that is our prayer. Help us to take these words to heart, to remember that because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, because of the union that we have with you, because of the spirit that you have given us, that we are no longer just sinners, that we no longer are dominated by sin, but we have victory because of Christ. Help us to believe these things. Help us to live in a way that reveals our belief and not just mentally ascend to something that we kind of think might be true. Help us to live in the victory that is ours through Jesus Christ. We pray in his holy name. Amen.